Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Romans 2.1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art the judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we're sure the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? So the problem is that, is that we judge, uh, we, we tend to be judgmental on and critical on are the very things that we're guilty of. You know, it reminds me of those metal detectors, you know, the people you see people using on the beach where they're looking for valuable things, you know, in the sand, lost rings. And, and we're, we're, we're very good metal detectors. You know, we find the sin in, in others' lives and, and we're critical, but we've really identified our own sins. In other words, that means that the last thing we wanna be critical of is the sins that we're involved with because the last thing we wanna do is to establish a criteria for judging the sin that we're guilty of. So the Lord Jesus is talking in verse three about what's in the eye. This is what he's using as an analogy here, a parable, whatever you wanna call it. And it's an interesting, he just, it, 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 we just picture what he's saying here. Picture this painting that he's painted. Picture this picture that it could be in a comic book. It's absolutely hilarious. You imagine the scene, it'd be an outrageous comic picture. It's a person who has a log in their eye <laughs> and then coming to a person who has a speck in his eye and the person with log in the, log in the eye is saying to the person with speck in the eye, that's terrible. You have a speck in your eye, you're so terrible. How did you allow that speck to get in your eye? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And all the while, the person who's berating the other person for having the speck in his eye, he's got this giant log in his eye that's a hilarious picture, you know? Anyway, but what's even more hilarious is the next scene that the Lord continues with the picture on in verse four, in verse four, where he says, how wilt I say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye and behold the beam of thine own eye. And this is another picture he's painted here of this person with the log in his eye saying to the person with the speck in his eye, now you just keep still and let me remove this speck out of your eye. He's, he's saying this, he's got a log in his own eye and he's saying to the person, now, now just get a little closer, I can't see it very well, you know? Hold still while I'm trying to get this speck out of your eye. I don't know why I'm having such trouble seeing the speck in your eye. I don't think you're cooperating, you know? That's why I'm not able to move the speck in your eye. Otherwise, he's got this gigantic log in his eye, and he's trying to play the doctor, you know, remove the speck in the other person's eye. So it's kind of like Mr. Magoo, you know? <laughs> Mr. Magoo, you can't see because he's got a log in his eye. So this is a picture that the Lord paints for us of what a hypocrite is in verse five. In verse five, he says, verse five says, thou hypocrite, 
First cast out the beam of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to remove, to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So the word hypocrite in the Greek means an actor, an actor. A hypocrite is an actor because he's an actor because he is acting. He's not that person, but he's playing the role of that person. It's just an act. And that's what the Lord says is happening here with a person who's judging and trying to correct another person of a sin that he's guilty of. He's just acting. He's just acting the part of the person. He's not really him. Now, the Lord says what to do in that situation. Verse five, verse five, thou hypocrite, first cast out, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So here the Lord is actually giving counsel. He's giving advice. He's giving guidance for what to do. He says, first, get the beam out of your eye. He's not saying to the person who's doing this in a condemnatory way, well, get out of here, you hypocrite. That's not what he's saying. As a matter of fact, he's saying really the opposite because he wants the person with the beam in his eye to cast out the speck in his brother's eye. He actually wants that. He says in verse five, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So what the Lord is saying here to the person with the beam in his eye is he's really saying to this person with the, with the log in his eye, you have an extraordinary opportunity. You have an extraordinary opportunity to help another person in need. As a matter of fact, all the way through this example, the Lord has called the person with the speck in his eye, he's called him the brother. He hasn't said the person, the man, he's called the brother, which is, again, brings out an affection and a care and a love for this other person. It's not just anybody, the brother. And that means the Lord is very much in favor of the person with the log in his eye to help that person with the speck in his eye. The Lord wants the person with the log in his eye to, to help his brother in love and, and with, with the speck. So the Lord knows that the person with the log in his eye, once that log is removed, he's gonna have a tremendous testimony of how he was able to be delivered from this log in his eye, and that's gonna help other people with specks in their eyes to know, to know that they can also be relieved from this sin that they're plagued with. So uh, he's an encouragement. And also, once the person is delivered from the log in his eye, he's gonna be able to tell the person with the speck in his eye the steps you have to follow to get rid of the speck in the eye. And, 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 and also, maybe most importantly, is the compassion and the understanding that the person is gonna have who has had the log in his eye removed. You know, rather than approaching the person with a speck in his eye with a wrong judgmental spirit of condemning, you know, how could you get that speck in your eye? You're so terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself to have allowed that speck in your eye. What's wrong with you? You are really bad. No, it's not gonna come with goody two-shoes, but instead he's gonna have the, the attitude of, I know just how you feel. I know just how you feel. I have compassion on you. Don't worry. It can happen to the best of us. It happened to me once the log is removed from the eye. Then that's all gonna come. Then he's gonna come with the spirit of grace of the Luke 23, 34. Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive him for getting the speck in his eye. He didn't know what he was doing. And that's why the Lord is all for the person who has the log in his eye to have him removed from his eye because then he can return back. He can return back and help others with the same problem. Now that's an encouragement. When a person is trapped in a sin, saying, well, I'm finished. I can never be any use to God now. And God says, no, 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 no. Verse five, verse five. Cast, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eyes. 
So the Lord did not say, yeah, you should be ashamed of yourself, that log in your eye, trying to remove a speck in someone's eye. Oh, you go remove out a log out of your own eye and then spend the rest of your life in sadness thinking about what a hypocrite you were and, and don't even think about being useful. You're, you're, you're finished. No, that's not what he's saying at all. The Lord has said, as a matter of fact, he's saying just the opposite in verse five. Thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eyes. In other words, he's saying, it's a great work for you to do. It's a great ministry awaiting in your life. You're being prepared to be the best eye speck remover ever. All you gotta do is get rid of the beam out of your own eye and you're gonna be prepared like nobody else to remove specks, okay. So the reason for this is because having been delivered from a sin makes a person trained to help others to get out of the same sin. Because a person delivered from a sin has a unique capacity to know the pain, know the frustration that a person who has been trapped in the same, same sin. The person delivered from a sin has followed a path of deliverance from that sin, and he's able to show another person that's the way out. Just go down that road. And he can say to the other person, I followed an ouch corrective plan, I know it works, I was there. So being caught in a sin does not mean being washed up, dead, and useless on the shores of the service of life. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to deliver from that sin and to hear the Lord say, John 8, 11, John 8, 11, Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more, and then to help others to go and sin no more. Now, we come now to the next verse, which is verse six. Verse six, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, on the surface, it's very easy to wanna to skip over this verse, say, I don't know what he's talking about. It's very easy to do that. It's very easy to misunderstand what the Lord is saying in this verse. The statement is very easy to misunderstand if you focus on the word dogs and swine, all right? And, and the Lord does not want us to look at the lost and say, well, you dirty swine, you dirty dog. He doesn't want us to do that. And that, he doesn't want us to do that, why? Well, because of John 3.16, if for no other reason. Because God so loves the dirty swine, <laughs> the dirty dogs called the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because of 1 John 2, 2, 1 John 2, 2, that the Lord is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And as far as God loving the world, 1 Timothy 2, 4, 1 Timothy 2, 4, God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God loves the world, and he wants the world to be saved, and so the emphasis in verse six is not on the dogs and it's not on the swine as a characterization, but the point the Lord is making here is what the dogs and the swine are doing. And what they're doing is they're trampling and tearing. So what the Lord meant for us to do is to focus on this picture. Again, he's painted us another picture. I mean, it's, a beautiful, it's an interesting picture. Just, just put yourself in the picture. Just imagine you approach some wild dogs and some wild boars and you got something in your hand and they don't know what it is, they're kind of interested in it, you've got pearls in your hand, and you wanna make friends with the dogs and the boars, and so you're gonna give them a present to establish this friendship with them. So those pearls you, you have, to you they're stunning, they're beautiful. 
all white and clean, and, and you're thinking, oh, those dogs and those boars, are, they, they don't have anything beautiful like that. They're in the dirt all the time. Boy, I'm gonna give them something that they never had, pearls, and that, and you're thinking, but, but that's what you're thinking. But the dogs and the pearls, they have different, th- dogs and the pearls. Dogs and the swine, they have different thoughts. They think you got something good to eat there. You know? And so you both slowly approach each other with this anticipation. You've got the anticipation of making friends and they have the anticipation of getting something good to eat, and you slowly approach each other, and they don't know that all you have are these, 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 these white pearls they can't eat. So to you, the pearls are very valuable. To them, they're worthless because they can't eat them. And you think that you're gonna give them a great gift when you give them these pearls, so you cautiously approach these salivating and snarling animals, the dogs and the, pearl, dogs and the boars with the pearls, and you carefully set the pearls down between you and them, and then you back away like a peace offering you're giving them and, and you're excited to see their joy as they discover these beautiful pearls and you set them down and you back away and you let them, and then the dogs and the boars, they, they approach to the pearls and they use their snouts to muzzle all through them trying to find the food. And to the dogs and the boars, those, pearl, those pearls are nothing better than just stones, cold hard stones, there's no food in them. They're, not, they're disappointed. They put their snouts all through them and they jerk their heads back and forth to find the food and the pearls scatter and you're watching as your beautiful pearls are scattered and in the mud and then they're, the boars and the, the, the dogs, they're, they're just trampling all over your beautiful pearls and they're, they're, they're pushing them in the mud and you're brokenhearted. You're brokenhearted to see what happened to your pearls and the dogs and the boars are angry because they thought they were gonna get something to eat. They thought they were lured in and now they feel tricked and so then they turn to tear you and now you're running away. You run for your life. Now, that is a, a potential picture of what the Lord is saying in verse six. But the, we have to get to the question, what did he mean by that? Well, the point of the parable is that what you valued as, what you valued as valuable, as precious pearls, was no value to the dogs and, and, and the boars. It's not food. What you saw as beautiful was not seen by them as beautiful. What you cared for is the greatest treasure you could have for the dogs and the swine was nothing to them. They, they, they thought just trampling underfoot, put in the mud, it's worthless. Now, when we come to the person of the Lord Jesus, there are two beauties of the Lord Jesus, two beauties. First, his beauty is that he is the door to heaven, as he said in John 10, 7. John 10, 7, Jesus said unto them, uh, again, verily, verily, I stand to you, I am the door of the sheep. Uh, he, uh, John 10, 9, John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. That means he's the way to God. That's all. As he said in John 14, 6, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the word to describe the Lord Jesus and his beauty in this first beauty is the word access. He's the access point. As it says in Romans 5.1, Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So the Lord Jesus is the access point to the grace of God, to the peace of God, to the hope of God. And this grace and peace and and hope comes from the Lord Jesus. He's the access, he's the door. 
Ephesians 2.18, Ephesians 2.18. Through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and with the saints of the household of God. More specifically, all of this access comes from the blood of the Lord Jesus, from his blood, as it says in Hebrews 10.19, Hebrews 10.19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. So, the old way to come to God was through the law of God, which was a standard that was too high for any man to achieve. A man can't make it by keeping the law. That's the old way. Therefore, as an alternative to this, to reaching God through the keeping of the law, is the blood of the Lord Jesus, which is, like we said, Hebrews 10.19, Hebrews 10.19, this gives us the boldness to enter into by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. And this is the beauty. This is the beauty of the Lord, the first beauty. This is the first beauty of the Lord. Hebrews 10.21, he is a new and living way. Come to God and you receive the grace, the peace, the hope, the adoption into the family of God. That's the first beauty of the Lord Jesus, which is the beauty that is for, that God wants every lost person to see. But then there's a second beauty. There's a second beauty of the Lord Jesus that those see who have entered into him as the gate. It's the second beauty that he talked about, Father, I thank you that you've hid these things from the wise and the prudent, but has revealed them unto babes. This is a revealed beauty of the Lord Jesus. It's not appreciated by the lost. It's like the pearls that are precious to one, but not to the dogs and the boars. And this is described in 1 Peter 2.7, 1 Peter 2.7, unto you which believe, he's precious, but unto them which be disobedient, stone which the builders disallowed. Okay, so this is a beauty of the Lord Jesus that causes the, the believer to thirst for more and more and more about Jesus, more, you know, Psalm 27.4. Psalm 27.4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire at his temple. No, believers will never get enough of seeing this beauty, this second beauty of the Lord, which the Bible describes as unsearchable, in Ephesians 3.8, Ephesians 3.8, the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's so beautiful to us because the Lord Jesus is everything. He's everything to us and he makes us complete as it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Colossians 2.9, Colossians 2.9. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. This is the second beauty. This is the second beauty, which is described by one word in Colossians 2.2, which is Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The word is hid. Hid, this second beauty of the Lord Jesus is hid from the eyes of the lost. 
The lost only see the second beauty of the Lord Jesus after they've come in and seen the first beauty and gone in the door as the gate. Now, naturally, we're very excited about the second beauty of the Lord Jesus because that's enthralling to our souls. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. And that's the second beauty of the Lord that's hid to the eyes of the lost like the beauty of the pearls was hid to the eyes of the dogs and the swine. And that makes us, as believers, that makes us as believers, we, we, we wanna talk about this second beauty to a lost. And if we do that, it's like giving dogs and swine pearls because the pearls are not interesting to the dogs and swine, no. It's only for the saved. What's of interest to them, the lost, and what we should be speaking to them, the lost about, is the first beauty. The fierce beauty of the Lord, which is the beauty of him as the gate that opens up to six wonderful beauties that we should be emphasizing to the lost, which is the beauty of peace. That's the first one, peace. Isaiah 9.6, Isaiah 9.6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Romans 5.1, Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Billy Graham wrote his book to the lost, Peace with God. That's the first beauty that we should be emphasizing to the lost. Peace, why? Because they got a storm inside. Second, beauty, hope, hope. First uh, Timothy 1.1, 1, 1. Timothy 1.1. 1, 1. Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope? Hope, that's the second one, why? Because the lost are hopeless. Third beauty, rest, rest. Matthew 11.28, Matthew 11.28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See what I'm trying to say here? We go to the lost, we should be talking about the beauty of the peace they can have, the hope they can have, the rest they can have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Fourth beauty, security, security. And John 10, 28, John 10, 28. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Security, we should emphasize to the lost. And next, fifth, satisfaction. Satisfaction, why? Because the lost don't feel satisfied. Okay, John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth unto me shall never thirst. John 4.13, John 4.13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drink the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We should be emphasizing satisfaction that that hunger will, not, will, they, will stop, that that thirst inside will stop, that that feeling of it's not enough, not enough, not enough money, not enough blah, 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 pleasure. All of that will be satisfied. Fifth, beauty. Last beauty, sixth beauty, Cleansing, cleansing. The lost need cleansing from their sin. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5. Jesus Christ loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. This is the first beauty of the Lord Jesus. These are the six beauties that we should be talking to the lost about, not the second beauty. To speak of anything else about the second beauty is to cast pearls before swine because they can't see it, and they don't know it. To offer them what the lost do not feel they need will make them angry, like it says in, in Matthew 7, 6, Matthew 7, 6, they'll turn again and rend you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for our Lord Jesus, and Lord, we do say 
He is the fairest of 10,000. He's all that thrills our soul is Jesus. But Lord, help us as we deal with the lost to stay on focus and on point in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 